time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Two thousand eight. The prequel trilogy is over, and millions of fans are left without Star Wars. Enter a brave group of Jedi, led by Dave Filoni, who brought tales of the Jedi, clone armies, and Mandalorians to Cartoon Network, thus keeping hope alive in the galaxy. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi! Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. In this episode... Ahsoka bargains for the Martez sisters' freedom and makes a startling, adorably spiky boy discovery. There will be a spiky boy! Not Niku is back, and Ahsoka takes her final steps into the finale of the series. We're talking together again this week. How you doing, Krius? Good. You having a good week so far? Yeah, so far so good. I'm doing all right. I tried to vote today. This is the second day in a row I tried to vote. <laughs> we have early voting going on, but well, I, I guess, guess it's I... a good sign of of good voter turnout or or voters <laughs> or closed down voting. <laughs> yeah. Centers. I no, don't know. Did you guys time... have that happening in Georgia? Did that happen in Georgia? Of course it did. It's Georgia. Okay. okay. We have a terrible record of voter suppression in Georgia. Yeah. So. Oh, I didn't know if he did it, but I didn't know if it happened. You know, there's it's different in different places. Sometimes they just, like, gerrymander it. Sometimes it's just, you know, there's <laughs> one polling place every 500 miles or something. Or a combination of all of those, but... All of the above. Though, actually, by the time this episode comes out, it's probably after the election. So, good luck, everyone! <laughs> good luck! Hope you're happy with the turnout. Yeah! Whatever happened. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so, I will say, it was, I did have a really nice moment when I was waiting in line to not get a chance to vote. Um, the guy behind me was actually a Star Wars fan. And so, we just got to talking in line, and... There's so much discourse in the fandom to have, like, an actual really nice conversation with two people who disagree, like, with somebody who disagrees with me, but being so respectful about it. Like, like we, we got to talking, of course, about The Last Jedi, and he wasn't a fan of it. Of course, you guys, listeners of the show, know that I do love The Last Jedi. Um, and he heard out my points, and I heard out his points, and he was just like... I see what you're saying. It's just not something I agree with. And I was like, yeah. "Oh, I mean, that's the thing is you're going to like it or you're not going <laughs> to, if you don't yeah, like it, you're was, just not going to like it, you know? <laughs> and we actually had like really like, like when we got to talking about trust, like we actually had a good discussion of, he was like, I liked these points. I did not like these points. And I was, of course, you guys know I'm not a fan of trust, but I was like, I do like this parts of it. And like, we had a really nice conversation with points that we agreed and disagreed on. And it was just, it was nice because there's so much of, I've gotten to the point where I try not to get too much into fandom drama because so much of it is just like, I'm going to not enjoy Star Wars if I get too wrapped up in the things I don't like. And 
but and, and there are things that need to be addressed like when when there's like you know prominent fan people like sexually harassing other fans like those are things that do need to be addressed but when it comes to story like yeah but you know, those are sort of, those are sort of a side issue you know the, 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 yeah. that's like a that's an issue with like people acting up as far as like i i just don't know i just uh, i i mean i can understand being passionate about your pop culture but you know i mean there's things to fight there's things to argue about and and like hold grudges and get mad about and there's things to argue about for fun you know it's like sports it's like sports i think sports are are like civilization's way of saying like hey let's not have war but here's a way to beat the hell out of each other and be competitive you know and 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 people and that, that, arguments I mean, arguments over uh, if a movie is good or bad or 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 whatever is a way to have fun <laughs> arguing over something yeah that you and, don't agree and, with that has no consequence whether you know it, uh, over your material life you know other than and, and like did you so enjoy the movie it. or not and and that's so much of it too it's just like people were trying to you know, like not like the movie and stuff. I have friends who like were nearly doxxed just because they liked The Last Jedi. You know, I have friends who got death threats because they liked The Last Jedi. And that's insane. Like, that's not okay. That's, I mean, because at the end of the day, we're talking about space wizards. Yeah, it's a movie. It's a movie. And you can't help it if you like it either. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, it's uh, uh, like, yeah, uh, I, I kind of can't wait for our trust um commentary i think i think before we do it we should get together and have a few like key things that like i want to have like i want to be able to just like take the the story elements that have that are really just sort of there to take up time and have like a phrase to be like oh here's one we could strike this scene and see how many (laughs) see how many scenes are like useless to it except in like the video game get you from one place to another I, I, I feel like, because normally, you know, we watch it once beforehand just to prepare our notes and stuff, and then we have to get the commentary. I don't know if I first. That'll be my first through viewing of it since I, since it came out. I don't think I can do that with Tross, to be perfectly honest. And I plan on drinking a wine when we do Tross. (laughs) I've already planned that. I'm, I'm going to get wine for Tross. Well, I'm going to be focusing on finding the stuff that I thought were good things about it i don't know i don't i, I don't want to get too. i don't want to get to because i'm so tempted to start talking about it because you know it's a star wars movie but like i want i want to get to the stuff that i thought okay this this particular thing worked and you know what what could have been there to build something that i would have liked a lot better <laughs> yeah i don't think there's a problem with being critical of it because there are things in trust that i i do like um, but there's so much about it that I'm just like, oh, missed opportunity. It feels like a movie of missed opportunities, really. Um, but speaking of that sports segue, longtime listeners of J Guys and Jedi know that Hope loves baseball, and she particularly loves her team, the Atlanta Braves. And at the time of this recording, they're currently in the playoffs. So it's on mute behind me. And longtime listeners know that I will be looking at the score, and if I suddenly just be like, fuck, in the middle of, like, a really, like, good point, 
that's why. So welcome. This is Sports Hope and Star Wars Hope. <laughs> but yeah, like Don't worry, listeners. I'm I'm totally focused. I have no other open windows on my browser. I don't care about no sports, so I'll I'll keep it on point. I do have a my the only other tab I have is I got halfway through an article about purity, uh, fandom purity culture, <laughs> a favorite topic of mine. <laughs> so, the only other I even got my door closed, closed, so there's no cat coming in to harass me. But um, but it, it was just to go ahead and say it was really nice just to have like an actual healthy debate about Star Wars without like the fear of harassment and someone just being an asshole. And the guy was super nice, and I told him about the show. I gave him our card. So you know, maybe we'll get a new listener. Yeah. So, Adam, hey, if you're listening. Hey, dude. <laughs> His name was Adam. He was really nice. Hey, dude. So, thanks for hanging out with us. His last name was Driver. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> My brain went to Savage. Adam Savage. <laughs> Adam. Either one of those Adams would have been fun to stand in line with. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. He he was, you know, a little bit more of an Adam Savage type because he was talking about how like he was doing like um like work and like uh like IT and stuff like that. So you know, he's more avid Adam Savage than Adam Driver. But <laughs> anyway, you ready to get into the episode? Yes. Mm. I was just gonna say most of us are more like avid Adam Savage than Adam Driver. <laughs> Not. Not all of us are like a hunking chunk of man that's the as wide as a house but still makes it work and sexy. <laughs> I was thinking with a, not many people have a long stretched out Snape face, but yeah, but either way. <laughs> he's like Benedict Cumberbatch to me. Like, you either think he's super hot or you don't. And there's no well, in that's, between. That's, he, that's, I mean, it's a type of actor and that, that there's, you know, there's always a sp- sprinkling of them but you can't have too many of them that have that have that like you know whether they're male or female they still they still have a bunch of people who are like they're hot and then there's gonna always be a contingent of like what is up with their head <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah all right well you ready <laughs> yes <laughs> all right <clears throat> together again is the 129th episode of star wars the clone wars and it aired on April 10th, 2020. It was written by Dave Filoni and Charles Murray, and it was directed by Nathan Villanova. Some extra information for you. Of course, Sam Witwer returns to his role as Darth Maul, which is no surprise after playing the role in Star Wars Rebels. The Toon Dock Worker, which is like the little guy of like that is like, yes, kill her, and he was all squeaky and stuff, um, is voiced by Josh Brenner making him one of the few actors that's been in all three animated series. He's the voice of Mon Mothma's aide, Erskine Sim- uh, Samaj, in Star Wars Rebels, and Niku in Star Wars Resistance. The Trandoshan Dark Manager uh, is voiced by Tom Root. Root is a voice actor for Robot Chicken, but he's more of a writer as well as being the, one of the original staffers of Toy Fair magazine, the creator of the series Titan Maximum, and was a writer for Star Wars Detours, the animated series by Seth Green that had been in production before the Disney buyout. And I'm kind of glad it never happened from the trailers I saw of it. I mean, I the well, yeah, I actually didn't know it was a thing until recently. 
Like, because uh, around this time, like, a lot of shit was going on in my life. So I didn't even know that Star Wars Detours was a thing. And I do like Seth Green's work and, and, and stuff like that. And it sounded interesting from, like, once I, like, recently heard about it for the first time as of, like, earlier yeah. this summer, actually. Uh, it was go, go, if you, did you ever see the trailer? Go look at the trailers for it on, on It's Cringy. It's super cringy. It, I, I remember Apparently I remember it, it well because seasons. they announced it and showed the trailers. I did I I didn't it was like a like one of those things where you had to sit around all day to get into the the panel for it. But they they announced it and showed all the trailers for it at at the Star Wars celebration that I went to and I was there when people walked out of it and they they were kind of you you know how usually when you see a trailer for something new you come out all buzzed it was everybody was kind of dazed like yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah i like i i first heard about it actually just a few months ago when um i was listening to sky talkers uh uh journey through star wars animation um uh three-parter that they were doing and they had talked about it on there and i'd never heard of this thing and i was like what what is this thing so like that's I I, I kind of only recently started looking into it. So I'm actually surprised to hear that it was it was cringy, especially because apparently there's two seasons just waiting to be released. So I have zero zero interest. <laughs> it, it sounded like it was a mix of like Robot Chicken and like the Robot Chicken specials of Star Wars, which I really enjoy those. Those but were great. Yeah, this was so looking like it was had to be okay for like ten year olds, though. You know what I mean? Um, it looked like the level of humor in it was, oh my, you know, type stuff. Mm, and yeah, let's dance, it. and then they would all disco dance. There, there seemed to be a lot of shots of people disco dancing in it. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. So yeah. the Lego Star Wars does much better with it, huh? I'm sure the Lego Star Wars does much better with it. Yes, Lego mm. seems to have much. They're funny. They're yeah, really it, funny. They really I, put they they put some thought into the writing. You know, it's, depending it's on where the Mandalorian over. is when we finish uh, Star Wars Resistance, because I do like if if there's not a lot of seasons between us, I would actually rather do the Freemaker Adventures first before the Mandalorian, just to give us more space and distance from Mandalorian. And Freemaker Adventures Adventures is fun. It's really fun. It's so good. <laughs> Not opposed to that idea at all. Yeah, just to give ex extra space. But anyway, and finally, in the Clone Wars download for this episode, they talked about how Crimson Dawn was always going to be part of the episode, as early as the script phase. Dave Filoni wanted to establish Maul's grip on the galaxy. They had also planned for Bo-Katan to be here, too, so this arc would lead directly into the Siege of Mandalore. Dave also said that it was important for Ahsoka to always be asking questions, even now out in the galaxy on her own. He always wanted her to make up her own mind, especially compared to the Jedi of the prequel era. Dave Filoni says that in his mind, the Jedi who has it, that has it right the most in this time period is Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon understands that you can still love something as long as you don't try and possess them and you can let them go. He is selfless. Just how Ahsoka is on a selfless path. Because Gwaigon taught Obi-Wan, who taught Anakin, who now taught her, uh, that teaching is inside of Ahsoka. She gets the balance of both Obi-Wan and Anakin, who have given her a balanced teaching up to this point. 
Dave ended with that he doesn't think a lot of Jedi have that kind of balanced view in this time period. Is that true, Yoda? Mm-hmm. <laughs> were, you, mm-hmm. were you not listening to me? No. <laughs> That's fine. No. That's because, well, Yoda, we did it. We got to this point. Are you ready? Yoda's ready. Today, ladies and gentlemen, and, and Chris, like, zhuzh this up. Like, zhuzh this up with some, like, music. Like, like give me, like, a nice reverb going here. Just like, worm, worm, worm. We have reached. What do you think I am? What do you think I am? Yeah, of course. I know, I know. I just, you know, wanted to give you a little reminder so when you edit it and stuff. The final, final, final. of the Clone Wars. You excited, Yoda? Yeah. Yoda wants more platitudes. Maybe they'll give us platitudes for Bad Batch. I'm actually really hoping they do. That would be a lot of fun if they did. Uh, maybe. Maybe. All right, and it's a good one. This this is a really good platitude. I really like this one. So you get to go out on a bang. So, you know, zhuzh it up. Zhuzh it up, Yoda. Uh, Yoda will try. You know? You can change who you are, but you cannot run from yourself. Bad. Oh, honey. Bad. Would you like a like a spray bottle at the ready hug? <sighs> Mess with Yoda, do not. No, no. Like I'd be more than happy to give you a hug, but I know how those hugs go. So just a hug. But with a spray bottle at the ready. Oh. Okay. What about a head pat? Just a. I don't, I'm cutting my microphone. I don't know if you can hear it. Relaxing <laughs> it is, yes. When you're okay. It's, you know, there'll, there'll be more platitudes, buddy. There'll be more platitudes. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe. Oh, there will. But, you know, Yoda you... is begging Disney, please! Yeah! Bad Batch series. To save the little Yoda inside of you. Why, oh, that didn't make sense. Yes, makes lots of sense, yes. Water bottle, go! <laughs> there it goes. I love that you had that at the ready. <laughs> Not messing around here tonight. What? Not messing around here tonight. I know, that was so good. I love that you had that at the ready. <laughs> uh, Alright, where are we before we get into Act 1? Alright, Braves are winning. Okay, now we can go into Act 1 with fun. <laughs> <clears throat> with a much better attitude. <laughs> Alright, you ready? I think the police are out there. Oh, God, Yoda, what did he do this time? Look, I built him out last time. You gotta build him out this time. <laughs> I think he likes it in there. Act one. He was just sort of floating in the jail toilet when I got there, keeping himself moist. <laughs> 
No, oh. don't want to go. Okay. I hope you took him to get tetanus shots after that. <laughs> yeah, I got like 14 tetanus shots. Ugh. All right. Act one. Act one. All right. <clears throat> so a little recap. Ahsoka has been hanging out but got captured by the Pike Syndicate. She's been hanging out with two awesome lesbians, Trace and Rafa Martez, and they're trying to figure out a way to get out of the situation. Also, the Martez sisters blame the Jedi for the death of their mommy and their daddy, so Ahsoka had to stay in the Jedi closet at the moment. On to this week! The ladies are trying to figure out how best to get out of this situation. They're still all blaming each other for each misstep. Trace says that she agrees with Ahsoka that Rafa's original deal was wrong in the first place. And Rafa motions between them and says, When did this happen? The two of you against me. And Trace is like, the moment Ahsoka crashed into me back in episode one and we automatically became girlfriends. But this actually hurts Rafa. They had that sister bond that always got them through. And now Ahsoka is threatening that. Realizing what's happening. Ahsoka says that she has a plan, that, but she can't tell them what the plan is. She needs them to trust her. Which Rafa isn't entirely on board with. But as the Pike guards come to get them, they really don't have any time for other choices at the moment. So they're all brought before Marg Krim, who is just so done and so tired of all their shenanigans and their fabulousness. And Ahsoka says that she wants to cut a deal with the Pikes, and very obviously looks at Rafa and says, Trust me, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, they are not my friends, indicating for them to play along. Ahsoka lies that she hit the spice off that they hit the spice off world, and if they don't bring it back, she'll rat out their family, who, friendly reminder, is dead. But my precious girl Trace thinks it's all real, and she's like, "Girlfriend, why are you? Girlfriend is betraying us. Why? Why? I'm heartbroken, but not in a real way. Like, but like, sorry, maybe we could do that." But in a real way, not in a I'm playing a long way, she thinks this is real. But Rafa totally gets in. She's just like, you bitch, you are ratting us out. How dare you? And Mark Krim likes this plan and gives the whole, oh, I'll kill you and everything you love spiel to the Martez sisters. And the sisters leave and Ahsoka is taken back to her cell. One of Mark Krim's guys is like, you know... This is a bunch of lies, and he will find out about this. And Krim is like, dude, Spiky Boy already knows. He's smart, hot, and charismatic. He knows about all this, but I'm, like, running out of options here. And we don't all want to end up like Paul Bettany in a few years, dude. Outside, the Pikes put Trace and Rafa on a ship and tell them to hurry back or else. And Rafa is like... Y'all need better bad guy phrases, because this is cliche, bro. And the ladies get on the Silver Angel, and they fly away. But someone is watching them, and it's the Mandos from last episode. Baby Mama Bear, Ursa Rin, scans the ship, and she realizes that Ahsoka's not on board. Bo-Katan tells her and the other Mando, who doesn't have a name so they don't matter, to keep an eye on out for Ahsoka, who is now back in her jail cell. No more sisters there to cramp her style. She can unleash the force and wreck stuff as she gets out of prison and moves out of there. What'd you think of Act 1?
it was good. I don't have a lot of notes for it. I have one long note that's broken into three parts for each act. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you got one note. Okay, I get it. I see. I like, the, I like the I like the. I like the two lines where Ahsoka sa- says "trust me" and Rafa says "I'll never forget this." Too. That that was, that was that was that was a neat line of them communicating, and it's and and it was uh, it was it was better that uh, Trace didn't even get it. You know, it was yeah. better for her acting. <laughs> she yeah, was more I... nice and convincing if she really thought Ahsoka betrayed her, and and the Pikes instantly were like, oh, like they could tell that it was authentic, and they were instantly like, mm-hmm, oh well, we have a little. We just picked up a little, you know, intel there. Drama with our murder. We get murder and a show. (laughs) Yeah, so that was nice. And that was, like, very very Jedi manipulation, you know, without, like, doing, like, a Jedi mind trick. But that was a very Jedi way to manipulate everything, the situation. It was nicely nicely done with an understanding of all the parties involved. Mm -hmm. And, uh... And I just like how, um, uh, you know, the uh, the the reference to Maul was nice and subtle, and sort of gets backed up a little bit with just like seeing the 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 Mandos at the at the end of it. You're starting to like maybe maybe connect it a little bit, you know. So I I, I thought that was just nice n- nicely subtly done in there. But that's all I really had for for part one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I I have two shower notes and then part one of my really long note for the entire episode that picks up in each act. So I, I like this opening moment when Rafa is really truly scared of losing her sister. Um, I think that's a very raw, honest moment for her when she was like, when did this happen between the two of you coming against me? And it, the reason I like that being so raw is because I think that was the moment where Ahsoka was like, I have to let them go. I have to let them go on their lives because I can take care of myself and I can get out of this myself. But the more I get in between of those, these two are not going to have a chance. And so I I, I liked that moment between the three of them because I think when Ahsoka was finally like, it's all our faults because they spent the last like two episodes blaming each other. She was the first one to go, you know what? I made a mistake, too. And I think that was the point where they all stopped blaming each other and they all took responsibility for it as well, which was, like, that last step that all three of them needed. So I like that moment, too. Okay. (sighs) I'm going to preface this by saying that I like this episode, but I have a huge gripe that goes throughout the entire episode. Here we go. And I mentioned it last week, and that's where it starts. Last week... I said that I was going to be a total hypocrite and I stand by that because I both really love and hate the Mandos and Maul being in this episode. So we'll start with the likes. I like seeing Ursa and Bo-Katan working together and I like that it's to see them here because that sets up a lot of their relationship in Rebels and it lays that groundwork. And we, when we talked about, we were talking about Rebels when this episode was coming out, we were talking about those episodes and we're like, Oh, Star Wars, it rhymes. Because watching the Mandalore episodes of Rebels alongside of this airing, um, it was really good. It, we, uh, and so I liked that. 
Here's the gripe. I said last week that I wish the finale of episode three, last week's episode, revealed that Ahsoka was a Jedi to Trace and Rafa in that episode. Because then for this episode, it changes the entire narrative and gives Trace and Rafa more powerful conclusions and gives them a better moral story and it gives them a better emotional story. So in the case of, like, for example, if Ahsoka had been re- re- like revealed at the end of last week's episode as the cliffhanger, this opening jail cell fight is completely different. And it gives so much more yeah. weight when she is like, trust me. They're like, why should we? Right, and, right. And it sets up her sacrifice even more because that way when Ahsoka sacrifices herself because Rafa picks up on it and she's just like, oh, we're leaving and she's going to get out of this. That makes it hit harder for Rafa, who, not trusting her, and goes, oh my god, this person, this Jedi, who I don't like, her I'm not supposed to like, is sacrificing themselves for us. Why is she doing that? And that makes that scene hit so much harder for her to have somebody who she blames her parents' death on sacrifice themselves for her. And that's the end of part one. I'll pick this up in act two. <laughs> Okay, I I totally I think I'm so far so good. I'm in total agreement with you. I think uh, like if they knew if they knew she was a Jedi, then that would be like <clears throat> dramatic pressure on in all directions, you know, because it you know she represents the people who killed their parents. The huh? It changes the entire emotional setup of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it it yeah it does it it. it I, I it yeah yeah it would change it it deepens it would deepen it and it wouldn't change it wouldn't like change it in any way that would alter the overall story uh, or even like the or even not even the story but even the arc and we can go into this more as we go through get through the the other two acts but the arc of you know the uh, you know where they are with each other at the beginning and where they are at the end i don't think like if they knew at the beginning of this episode that ahsoka was a jedi that they would have to change the ending of this of how the characters relate to each other and feel yeah. about each other it would uh, it would have worked out exactly the same but bit had a little more and you wouldn't have had to change change much of anything really you would have just had to change that one scene and the rest of it could work as would just work as an undercurrent you know the one scene that you would have to change is the the very first scene of act two i'm about to read when the sisters are making their decision of what to do next at the gas station and it would be then and i'll I'll talk about it that's my act two note (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. i was just gonna say we can go into that how it how it goes through but like yeah you wouldn't really have to do you it wouldn't it wouldn't be like uh it would have we would have had to add more time to this or something you just would have had to tweak a few few things here and there to just to make it line up and it's a much better story i agree all right act two act two (laughs) i agree i'm just gonna i'll just for the sake of drama in the show i'm just gonna say i agree as far as act one goes we'll 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 see how your theory stands up in act two but i have a feeling it's going to stand up just fine all the way through (laughs) oh yeah oh will palsy kill you yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right act two cool 
Um, and I kind of separated this between like the the Marta sisters and the Ahsoka stuff, so um, just to keep it a little bit more nicer. Act two. The Martez sisters are hanging out at a gas station now that they're free of the pikes. But Trace is upset because Ahsoka knows that they don't have any family. They don't. She doesn't have any leverage to get out of there. And Rafa is like, um, honey, that's the point. She's sacrificing herself for us. And Rafa pauses and says, that's not normal. People don't care about people like us. Ahsoka is something really special. So Rafa has a plan made out of petty spite so Ahsoka can't hold it over her for the rest of existence, which is just Rafa perfection. They're going to get some spice and deliver it to the Pikes. So they let Ahsoka go. Oh, oh there we go. That was, that was the thing holding me up. Oh, there we go. And Trace is like, um, sister, we're still poor. And Rafa's like, don't worry. I got a plan for that. So they go to another Pike Spice place where I guess you just get spice because they're going to steal spice from the Pikes to give it back to the Pikes. And Jazz is like, this is a super dumb plan, but here we are. And Rafa calls in and a tomb worker who is most certainly not Miku, even though he sounds exactly like Miku from Resistance. Is no, like, Miku wouldn't be that mean, though. I'm just saying in voice and his yeah, voice. Yeah, I know. Like I know. He's but basically like mean Niku. He is mean Niku. If, if Niku was a mean girl. <laughs> but me, not Niku is like, I'm sorry, but we don't have any record of you picking up spice from us today. But Rafa smooth talks them to at least let her land on the docks. And once they land, not Niku comes over babbling about how unauthorized this is. But Rafa is like, I've watched plenty of videos on the internet of white women blowing up at helpless retail employees. I'm going to go full Karen on these guys. And Rafa, in all of her glory, smiles and says the most powerful phrase she will ever utter. Can I speak to your manager? And Trace is in awe of her. And Rafa continues with, and I while I wait, you little guys can start loading spice on my ship. And Rafa barks commands at the other tombs, and they all get moving. Meanwhile, back at the Pike's headquarters, Ahsoka is sneaking around. Actually, the whole, like, can I speak to a manager? That's a fun line when you are the manager, and they're like, I want to speak to your manager. And I'm like, it's me, bitch. Come on. <laughs> I've used that. It's fun. Being the manager, you're just like, I'm here. What can I do? No, you're still wrong. Get out of my store. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the Pike's headquarter, Ahsoka is sneaking around the refinery, being super spy sneaky sneaky, performing extra sneaky parkouring, and eventually finds an armory. She grabs some bombs, and she gets ready to blow some shit up. She goes back to the refinery and starts placing bombs all over the place. But when she gets under this, like, walkway thing, catwalk, oh, that's the word! I was trying to figure out the word for it earlier, it's a catwalk. <laughs> Yay, help! <laughs> She stops because she hears a familiar voice that I'm not sure how she knows this voice and what he sounds like because I don't think Maul and Ahsoka has met up to this point, question marks? I honestly can't remember. Clone Wars is seven seasons long. I don't think that they did. How does she know what Or is it one of those things that... Cause, and, and this could be unclear and just me misinterpreting it. It could be a thing that she's just like, oh, let me listen in on this interesting conversation. And Mark Krim at the end of it goes, 
is the one that says the word mall. And she's like, oh, that's mall. Like, it could be taken that way, too. And I can well, say yeah. that well, I, I mean, interpret it that the, way. In episode one, he was identified by the Jedi. So probably every Jedi knew what was on, probably on the, you know, they probably saw some holo pictures of him and stuff from the, from the camera outside of the, from, you know, all the, the camera footage from Naboo and outside the ship and on tattooing they probably yeah, made a whole holo picture of him that all the jedi saw and they're like look there's a sith roaming around so yeah and ahsoka probably clearly knows about maul through obi-wan because he's obsessed with obi-wan i'm sure obi-wan Obi and and anakin both like told yeah. about darth maul so yeah but i don't know if she's ever heard him so when i watch this scene i take it either one of two ways at either a and this is the way i took it the first time is she recognized him as small from the get-go or B she was like let me listen in on this conversation and then Mark Krim was like oh it's Maul and she's like oh, it's Maul but to me A is much more clear which then makes it unclear of how does she know anyway. and Maul's like a known serial killer that's wanted you know he's he's oh that's a good point you know I'm sure a lot of, like there and, and now he's head of a crime syndicate so I don't think she ever met Savage either, but she's familiar with Ventress, so yeah. I don't know. It's just that it's, it's Star Wars. They she probably watched it up. I, I mean, it makes sense that she knows who he is. Yeah, it it does. But anyway, she looks up and Mark Krim is talking to my favorite spiky boy, Darth Maul, and Maul's like, "Dude, Krim, bro, where's my spice? I'm trying to secretly run two crime organizations here." And Krim is like, I'm sorry. Ugh. There's these fabulous lesbians and they ruined everything for me. And Maul is like, true, lesbians are super fabulous, but that's not my problem. And Krim is like, ugh, and the Republic is being a bunch of poop heads and they're raiding my ships on Coruscant. Then Maul goes full obsessive going, oh my god, is there Jedi here? I bet there were a Jedi. It was probably Obi-Wan. I bet it was Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan ruins everything. I gotta kill Obi-Wan Kenobi. He ruined my life for everything. And Mark Krim's like, all right, dude. You like need a moment? You okay? You okay there? All right. We're fine. And suddenly Maul's attention shifts. Nisoka runs and hides. And he glances over and he doesn't see anyone there. So he turns back to Mark Krim and he's like, look, crummy baby, I got shit to do. I don't have my super efficient girlfriend, Kira, for another few years to help me out with things. But, you know, Hope ships them together and definitely has written fan fiction about Maul and Kira doing touch therapy together, as we said when, when Bucho and Robbie were here. Anyway, so if you fuck this out for me anymore, I'm going to make sure Crimson Dawn would love to have your business. And I'm totally right. <laughs> Do this. And I'm totally not running both the Shadow Collective and Crimson Dawn at the same time. That would be brilliant of me. Peace out. And Maul turns off the comm and the pikes are like, Yeesh, we hate that guy. Fuck him. But Ahsoka's like, Oh my god, holy shit, it's Maul. Oh god. Oh god. But there's no time for anyone to rest and process this information because their pikes have realized that Ahsoka has broken it out of her cell. And she stealthily follows them into the next room. And when it's all cleared out, she pulls up the transmission log. And she sees that Darth Maul is currently hanging out on Mandalore. And Ahsoka is like, Gasp! 
That's in the name of the finale! Whoa, it's like it's all coming together. And suddenly, Krim and his men kick in the door and they're like, Aha! We found you! And Ahsoka's like, Welp, the gang is up! And she uses the force to try and get out of there. But more guards surround her and they knock her out. And Mark Krim is like, Oh my god, it's a Jedi! Can we call this one Obi-Wan? Can we stick a nice beard on her and pretend she's Ewan McGregor? I bet that would get them all off our backs. Let's let's call this one Obi-Wan and just give him Ahsoka, it'll be fine. And they take Ahsoka back to her jail cell. Meanwhile, the Martez sisters are still bossing around the poor tunes. Actually, I should they say poor tunes, they're all assholes. And they're getting a, sh a shit ton of spice put on their ship. Not Niku comes back and he's like, My manager thinks this is highly irregular. And Roth is like, I think you're just lazy, you messed up squeaky toy. But then, the manager, who is actually a big Transdotion dude, shows up wanting to know why some lady is screaming at his squeaky workers. Sarapa so hits him with a pipe, which does nothing. And a fight breaks out, and Rafa tries not to die, and Rafa and Trace is punching the squeaky tunes. And Rafa and the manager get, get up on a ramp that lifts off the ground, and Trace tries to add to her body count from last episode, and she accidentally hits the controls and swings the ramp out over a canyon. Scrambling to the top of the crane, Rafa releases it and drops the manager to his death, and Trace brings her back over, and they have successfully gotten some spice to save Ahsoka. What'd you think of Act 2? I liked it. Ah. There, there, there were some things that, like, for one thing, you know, there are just some story necessity things that 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 were kind of plot holes like there's no way they would their ship wouldn't have had like a, a tracer on it or something you know when when they had their ship hanging out there that the pikes wouldn't have like stuck a tracer on it in case they escaped or something once they'd parked it there and uh they not like here's the thing about like their whole like we're gonna bullshit our way into getting the spice they really are not that experienced at it that good at it at uh, uh at the bullshitting and you need at least one name to drop you know mm. if if it's in, in the basically they're in the drug trade or or in the like super valuable item trade you know just coming in and saying yeah this comes from higher up and like they could have even just said mark Krim. like this is for mark anything Krim. Come on, yeah yeah you know and like whispered his name or something, but they had, they, they didn't have anything that they just were like higher up at it. And it was just obvious, obvious bullshitting, but they still like just sort of, you know, I mean, for what, for one, like there should have been, you, you would have thought there would have been like a lot more security detail, muscle detail. So somebody couldn't just, so, you know, two inexperienced young you know young women you know I, out on their first adventure could come in and physically intimidate you into filling their ship up with spice you know that, that, I, I agree with that because i had to be clear because i was like what planet are they on they're what happens if on a, pirates show another, up there they're on another part of the pike planet they're just they just went to the other side of the planet pretty much which I guess like that that'd be a lot of security detail because the other pikes would just be like, oh, I'm sure there's like a force surrounding the planet or something. But yeah. then it's like, wouldn't they know that they never left the planet? <laughs> and and, and you know, it could have been clear. 
and and also in the spice network they would have been like oh look the exact amount of spice got stolen i mean it could be the beginning of a more uh, an interesting side story where you like set two warring two pike factions against each other on the spice planet and they destroy each other but that's for another story yeah but um it could have been also just like, and, and it probably just came down to time, which goes into maybe the Siege of Mandalore not coming into this would have given them more time to have a better Martez story. My gripe number two that we'll come to? Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else do I got? Um, um, I really like that, uh, although, you know, I, I it's it doesn't make sense, like, from technology wise of like how the holograms work, which makes it actually even cooler because it was just, it was just Maul using the force, you know, but that he actually like looks at Ahsoka and starts like turning and looking at stuff because we know with the hologram stuff, it just sort of focuses on, a, a small little area and everything else is just black in the background until it comes in into focus behind a person, you know, like a, when somebody's getting attacked and like you see them talking and then all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, and they've got their lightsaber out and you see a, f- a flash of droids and the light goes out. So, you know so, you know, he's not actually... like talking oh. to the guy and then sees Ahsoka through the video behind her. He's just sensing her with the force. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially now, because in this period of of Clone Wars, the dark side is getting is becoming attuned where the light side can't figure shit out. So mm-hmm. like he's feeling he's feeling his oats. He's the head of a crime syndicate and, and stuff. I just he's, love he's that. He's head of two scene. crime syndicates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's in the, the dark side of the force is swelling up so he can like. He can see, see Ahsoka and let her see him see her, you know, through through the holo picture. And it's just a, it's it was I thought that was a great scene. Um, you know what that scene actually reminds me a lot of? Um, it reminds me a lot of Vader force choking the Imperial through the screen, even though yes. he's like half a galaxy away. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that's what it always like reminds me of. And I, I really like that scene, too. I think it's a really cool scene. And, and um, she really recognizes right away. She's like, oh, shit, got to move. <laughs> like, so it's almost like she started feeling him sensing her. And she was just like, oh, slide away. I don't know why it took me till this part, of, till two thirds of the way through the last part of this arc. But freaking Krim, I just realized, is Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. <laughs> His voice is 100% Mr. Burns. I knew, but it, you know, and I, ne- why I didn't notice that from the very beginning, because he's like a rich, you know, oh, he always knows. all his dialogue is like Mr. Burns, and it's just like, oh my God, this is Mr. Burns, you know, I know I he's not movie. played for comic effect, but he's got that pragmatic, you know, I know that Maul knows, and you know, and I, you know, I'm letting him go because I have as much. I could get screwed just as bad, Smithers. Smithers. Yeah. So, and also, whenever I hear his name, I think of that. Um. Um. Oh, um, what's her name with the with the um, 
with the with the umbrella in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mary Poppins song, I think. Crim criminy, crim criminy, crim crim crew. Oh, oh, you mean Chim Chimney? Yeah, except his name's Crim. So uh, every time I hear his name, I just start hearing that song with his name. My that's all I got. Like five different directions because you're like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was like, there's a umbrella. <laughs> well, just because yeah, I just wanted to reference him going, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> I know, I see. That's why you're doing now. But I, there was about a two second moment there. I was like so confused of what you're doing. <laughs> I gotta say, like, uh, for Grimm's voice actor, it's Steven Stanton, who is the voice of Tarkin in this and uh, in Rebels. And it's just, it just shows, like, Steven Stanton's range. Like, he's such a good range of being able to do so many different characters, and I just got to... I'd, I'd love to know if he was th- if he was trying to put some... I mean, as soon as, as soon as I was like, oh my god, it's Mr. Burns, for the rest of the episode, I was just like, yay, Mr. Burns! <laughs> <laughs> he's a, you, you can almost see him you know like with his doing the finger thing he, he, he does the finger thing a few times yeah. he does put his yeah, fingers yeah. together he's just like yes where's my spice my spice stickers <laughs> but yeah that's all i got for part two so i'm gonna start with a gripe that way the rest of my notes are positive right because it goes well, isn't it the, the same gripe it's the it's same, the same gripe, gripe. Right? it's just this is part two of the same gripe, which is if Ahsoka had been revealed at the end of last week's episode, how it changes this episode. So if she had revealed her, if, if it was a revealed in the last week's episode that she was a Jedi, the opening conversation where Trace and Rafa are at the gas station becomes so much more powerful and so much more engaging because they wouldn't be talking about of like, oh, Ahsoka's special. They'd be discussing their morality of the situation because they feel that the Jedi were the ones that killed their parents. So it would be their, do we not help her because she's part of this organization that killed her parents? Or do we help Ahsoka as an individual because she as an individual is okay? And that's a much more interesting debate than, oh, Ahsoka tricked us. Or, 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 Or Rafa, I'm sorry. Rafa going, like, she has no leverage and Rafa's being like, that's the point. I guess she's nice. Let's go get Spice. Like, it would make that debate so much more um, it, it would fit that Rebels and Resistance storytelling that they've been doing this entire yeah. arc. And, because, like, that's that's what makes this arc so special, which is why it falls so flat for me in Act 3. I hate the ending of this episode. And I'll get to that in Act 3. But the last three episodes has been such storytelling that they did in Rebels and Resistance. And that's what this episode could have been. And that would have been such an interesting debate to see these two women being like, we, these two women who have fallen for Palpatine's like whole trickery, you know, his whole trickery of why we have the Clone Wars in the first place. They've fallen for it. And that then they get this glimmer of hope through Ahsoka where they go, Maybe the Jedi aren't bad after all. Or maybe it's just Ahsoka as an individual is not bad after all. And it changes that entire debate if they just knew at the end of last episode and knew going into this episode she was a Jedi. I'll have stuff to add on that in part three. Yeah, for sure. But, okay, that's the end of the scribe here. It will pick up in act three. But uh, everything else is kind of like shovel notes, um, except for the last one. Chris notes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I love Rafa's plan to save Ahsoka is mostly based so Ahsoka doesn't have to hold something over her head in the long run. Like, that is peak Rafa to me. <laughs> that is, like, peak Rafa. I'm just like, I'm going to be petty and save her so she can't blame it. Like, hold well, it yeah, it's just her, it's her, her excuse so she doesn't have to say it out, say anything nice out loud. Absolutely. I love it. Um, I just love whenever Josh Brenner is in Star Wars and because he so often sounds so much like Miku. And my favorite part of this episode is actually Josh Brenner's character when his little like tomb worker just goes, ha ha, yes, kill her. <laughs> but he sounds exactly like how Niku would say that. But there's just no way that Niku would say that unless he was I like. Know. But I love that whole little scene because he's just like, ha ha, yes kill her and like trace like hits him in the forehead and he squeaks <laughs> all the tombs make squeaky noises and i love it it's so like it's so outlandish like you know aliens probably shouldn't sound like chew dog squeaky toys but like they're such weird aliens and that that goes into my next note well there was always... one of them in there was one of them in the phantom menace and he was very cartoony and and doofy yeah. too so you know you might as well carry Double on with that body language absolutely because like that that's the thing like i always forget that the tunes exist until they show up and i'm just like oh yeah these guys i forgot about you because they so they don't actually really look like star wars characters in my brains they I'm look trying like to aliens. think of the name of the one from episode i think it was like named quadranero or something in the was yeah but, like, I, I love them when they are here, and I wish they were used more, because I always forget that they exist. But, my God, like, that entire fight when, like, Trace is just punching them, and they're just like, ee And, like, the Transdotion, like, throws Rafa into, like, two of them, and they squeak when they catch her, and they're both just like, yes, kill her! I love the tombs. They're so funny, and I, they're so great. Especially Josh Britter and just his little, like, ha-ha, yes, kill her! That's my favorite moment. Um, I also like the reveal that Rafa can fucking fight, and she takes him on. He's stronger and, you know, is more resistant, but, like, she's doing, like, high kicks and roundhouse Tra- kicks. Transdotion's almost like fighting a Wookiee, and he's armored, too. They're, yeah. You know. But I, I like that reveal that, like, Rafa can throw down. Yeah. And the, and the Martez sisters continue to murder, and I love it. <laughs> And my last note. Okay, this is the mall thing, and this is where I'm a hypocrite for everything that I've been saying about how Maul and the Mandos heard the story. But oh, I'm a hypocrite, whatever. Um, I love so much what this season does for Solo. I, because I remember the first time I watched this episode, and still right now, when he mentions Crimson Dawn, I didn't think he had it up and running this early in the timeline. That changes a lot of things to know that Crimson Dawn was running during the Clone Wars. And that's a huge reveal to go into Solo with because it just gives the entire organization completely, like, different, like, like, like beginnings and, like, groundwork and, like, coming up through the system and blah, blah, blah. Like, it changes a lot of the things about that movie. And I like how Maul is, quote, unquote, pitting his own companies against each other, which Morgan Krim is totally aware of. He's just like, oh... They're doing this. I like that he's aware of it. Because Shadow Collective and Crimson Dawn are both his. And both organizations, I don't think they all know that, but Mark Crim's aware of it. 
but it's so smart and it just and that's what this does it showcases how smart maul is because he has he doesn't have all his eggs in one basket and i think that was the whole point of what happened the last time that we saw the shadow collective and the last time maul was here is they got beaten up really bad and it probably made him go okay i need my eggs to be scattered and so now he gets to pit his two his organizations against each other to see which one's stronger and works. And it just shows how freaking brilliant Maul is, and I love that about him. Yeah, and it doesn't really ha- it doesn't do it with really any exposition at all. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. I mean, you get information from it, but it's very it's very organic. Mhm. Or it's not an exposition dump. It's ex- I guess it's technically exposition, but they just do it and they like yeah the writing the writing in the last two episodes has been back on on point for me, and this one is even more so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely so, but that's all I have for our two. Did you have anything else? No, I'm uh I'm ready for uh finish this transocean up, all wrap right. it up. Wrap him up and throw him into a bottomless pit. (laughs) It's okay with transdotions, isn't it? Yeah, they're not as cute as puppies. (laughs) All right. You ready for our three? I'm ready. Uh, 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 uh. Here I got much better. Uh. Are you? uh, Now are you ready? (laughs) I am, I am. Sorry, we had really delicious food tonight, but it's not agreeing with me right now. All right. Oh, that one went up my nose. Nice. Oh, gross. So classy on Jedi guys and Jedi always, aren't we? I'm a lady. (laughs) Act three. So, Mark Krim is monologuing to Ahsoka about how her death will bring the Pikes all this fame and glory, especially if she says that her name is Obi-Wan because Maul will be super happy if she's Obi-Wan and dies. Um, but Ahsoka still has clearly flashing and beeping wrist thing for all her bombs on her arm that apparently no one sees, even though that she's wearing binders and someone had to put those on under the very obvious flashing thing on her arm, question marks? Anyway, and a stroke of horrible timing. The Martez sisters kick in the door like they're the biggest hotshots in the galaxy because they got some spice. And Mark Crib is like, um, ladies? Oh, now it's these Smithers. I gotta try and do the Smithers voice. Um, ladies? I know you're working for the Republic and the Jedi. Like this one, he says, pointing to Ahsoka. Like this Jedi right here. This is a Jedi. Ahsoka is a Jedi. And Trace, how is, I don't watch much Simpsons, so is that a good Smithers? <laughs> is that okay? That was Miss, you mean Mr. Burns. That! It was a decent Mr. Burns, yes. Thank you, thank you. Um, Trace and Rafa are horrified. And Krim is like, oh, ho, 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 you actually didn't know. How delightful. And as they're all about to die, Trace says the gayest line of all time, which is, girlfriend, you should have told me, my love. (laughs) But luckily, before they all die, Azuka's bombs goes off and throws everyone off their feet. And she gets out of her binders, grabs the sisters, and they run out of there. 
outside, the Mandos see the explosions, and they're all like, hey, there it is. There it is. That's that's what we were looking for. That's that's the Jedi we know. That was the best part. Yay! And the ladies all jump into the Silver Angel, and Ahsoka is immediately is immediately like, "I'm sorry, I couldn't tell you before, Trace. I hope we can still be girlfriends. I really like you a lot, and I've never felt like this way before about anybody. And it's a lot of things going on in my life right now, and I'm so sorry I lied to you." And Trace is like, "Just jump on the gun. There are bad guys ships after us." And in a great moment, all the ladies work together. And just like that, they destroy all the enemy ships. With some fancy flying from Trace. The little do they know, they're being followed by a Mandalorian ship. <clears throat> Excuse me. They arrive back on Coruscant. And Ahsoka tries to smooth things over by saying, The Pikes probably won't come after them since they figured that they were working for a Jedi. But the sisters just walk right out on her. Rafa jokes that Ahsoka is going to arrest her for being a criminal. But Ahsoka explains that she left the Jedi Order because that life sucked. But it's Rafa that levels with Ahsoka going, Look Ahsoka, you might not want to be gay or use your gay label, but you're really queer. Just admit it. Oh, oh wait, that that's not the one? That, that's not what Rafa says? Okay, let me, uh, give me a second. Let me, uh, check my, my notes here. Oh, you got it close. Yeah, I mean, just check check some some of my notes. Uh, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. That was that was not what it was. Uh, Rafa tells Ahsoka that she's pretty much the embodiment of the of the Jedi, or at least how Rafa, a normal everyday citizen, wants the Jedi to be. But they don't got time for cushy ass feelings because Bo Katan kicks in the door with her mom bear and the sidekicks, and they all yell, "What's up, bitches? We need your help!" And Ahsoka throws herself in front of the Martez sisters, yelling, Don't trust her! She tried to kill my male love interest back in season four! And Trace is like, I'm okay with you being bisexual, just FYI. And Bo-Katan is like, Look, me trying to kill Lux Bonteri was so three seasons ago. Death Watch is gone, but before Death Watch broke apart, we did pick up some kid named Din Djarin and took him into our group. And Ahsoka's like, why is that information important? And Bo-Katan is like, well, if the rumors are true, you two are going to meet each other sometime in the future in the second season of his show. But don't worry about that right now. I need your help with something else, and we have a common enemy. And then she shows him a picture of Maul, who is making a cute duck face and winking with a, with a little peace sign. And there's little hearts and stars around his head, and he's all just like, mm. And Bo-Katan was like, I was really bored on the trip, and I photoshopped this. Now come with us to Mandalore, please. You got five minutes to make one of the biggest choices of your life. No pressure or anything. And she walks out. And Ahsoka turns to Rafa and Trace, who encourage her to go on out there. People need Ahsoka, and that's who Ahsoka is. But Ahsoka asks if it's okay if she keeps her bike there, just in case she needs it. And Trace says that it's a deal. And Trace takes Ahsoka's hand, pulls her close, dips her, and gives Ahsoka a huge loving kiss as the music swells. And as Trace looks into her eyes, she whispers, Go save the galaxy, Gal Pal. And Ahsoka blushes and adds, That's Gal Pal with a TM. I'm just kidding, this is fucking Star Wars and they hate queer people so much! <laughs> this is Star Wars!
Wars, where their favorite thing to do is to fucking queer bait us. Fuck you, Star Wars. Anyway, just like that. Ahsoka boards the Mando ship with some awesome ladies, and we all go to save and fuck up them all the end. Wow. <laughs> I have feelings. A little editorializing of... there, Hope. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just still sour from a note from the first episode where it was like, it was, I think it was like Dave Filoni said this, and they're like, the reason they cut out, um, uh, uh, Nick Sokami because they wanted to take the romance out of the story. And I'm just like, why the fuck did you make Trace in love with her then, you asshole? Like, why couldn't Ahsoka be in love with a woman? Like, th- th- you're just saying then that you're not open to her being in love with a woman when she was clearly queer on multiple le- levels. You queer code her till it hurts, baloney. And then you have, you know, E.K. Johnson gets to make Ahsoka ase- asexual. Like, stop fucking around, you dick. I love Dave Filoni, but there are some massive flaws with him, and I will not be, I, I'm not afraid to admit it. You can love somebody and call out their flaws. Dave Filoni, please stop queerbaiting us. Thanks. Well, how'd you, what do you have in this? I think Callus and Zeb broke me. Like, that's the thing. Like, Callus and Zeb broke me. Like, you know, and then we got Orca and Flicks, which I love them, and yeah, they are the first queer couple in Star Wars on screen, but we still don't know if they're boyfriends or husbands, and that's a fucking problem. And he's argue- arguably working for, well, he's working for arguably Disney's biggest uh, franchise. But that's, I Disney, know, that's, though. That's, but. that's what's so maddening. It's like di- working for Disney is becoming not a good enough thing when there are multiple Disney Channel shows like Owl House that has queer content. You're starting to lose that argument when, yes, yeah, Star Wars is much bigger than the Owl House, but that that argument is quickly going away. And it's just coming to the point of like all these shows are showing you up and everything but Star Wars. Uh, 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 Callison's that broke me. Resistance made it worse. And then I get to this. I'm just like, they're so clearly gay. Oh, my God. Anyway, let's, As let's, stuff like things like the Owl House go, I mean, it's gotta, I mean, there's gotta be places where it shows up first, you know, and I, you know, I, I cannot pretend to know if what the conversations are or, or what level they would be where they would be like, do, you know, do we want to do it in Star Wars or do we do want to do it in a show that's, you know, you know, Owl, Owl House is, Gravity Falls related and they might have wanted to do it like in Owl House because Gravity Falls had been trying to, you know, earlier. Several shows they, have been trying to. And Dana had to go. Dana Terrace, who was the creator of Owl House for people who don't listen to Home Express Watch Cartoons. Like she had to go to different executives because some of the executives within Disney flat out shut her down. And she had right. to find the right executive that would let her write a queer story within the own company. And she's yeah. said so that. So I mean, I mean, that, that, I mean, it's sad that it that didn't happen sooner, but it it uh, it's got to happen first somewhere, you know. So, so yeah. The, I I my only note that's sort of in that direction is how many fanfics are there based around Ahsoka's bike? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just she sort of. She kind of is the fandom bicycle. I I will say of Clone Wars. Do you know what fandom bicycles are? No. A fandom bicycle. Like the uh, fandom menace. No. Um. A, when when you have a character who's the fandom bicycle, they're the fandom bicycle because everybody rides them. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah, she's kind of uh the fandom bicycle of Clone Wars. Well. 
It's it's basically that's like from a yo mama joke. Yo mama's like a bicycle. Everybody I takes a ride. Her. Yeah. No, no. I was thinking like fanfics based on, you know, Rafa holding onto the bike and like, either 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 the pensive ones where she's thinking about it while looking at Ahsoka's bike or the celebratory ones where Ahsoka finally comes back to get her bike. You know. But the the bike is the symbolic connection, and it's something you ride. Um, okay, so I the this episode. Um, well, I'll do I'll do my um, most my other my other shallow note is uh, the shot of uh, the Mandos tracking them from space is very much like a shot in Empire Strikes Back of uh, of um, Boba Fett tracking and following. Yeah, I thought yeah, that too. The Millennium Falcon that has the same sort of same sort of same sort of Mandalorian ship BB sound effects and everything, and it's just sort of shot over their shoulder in the cockpit. It's it's laid out the same, so it's an it's 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 rhyming. They're rhyming again. Hope. Mm-hmm. And um, um, the 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 Mandos in this this story, it it, it it's still abrupt. But the second time watching it, it, I I felt in this one it was integrated better, and better than in the last one where it just seemed like they were stuck in. the The mixing of the two stories worked better for me the second time through. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was perfectly smooth and natural, <laughs> but it was more so than the first time I watched it. I was more comfortable with it this time. And do Rafa and Trace have a big have a ship full of spice at the end of this? Are they rich at the end of this? I just I thought that too because like when they come up, the spice is clearly on their ship, and I was just like, this is so much money. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like that's like having bounty hunters after you and stuff. But maybe the people that would have sent bounty hunters are dead. But I don't know those people still. I mean, Darth Maul start, might still, you know, want have something to say about it but like yeah, yeah it leaves it leaves them with like the possibility of a of their a solo comic or book or something you know of how they did de- you know how they deal with the spice and their adventures so they, I, they were sort of left with like story elements clinging to them yeah and i kind of feel like that way too because like it's clearly on their ship and if it was any other situation like i you know, I would hope that Ahsoka got through to them and they would try to give it away to, like, medicine. But there's always a chance where they're like, well, she's gone, let's sell this money. And, like, I don't I don't see Trace doing that, but I for sure see Rafa just being like, good, let's get rid of this and make a lot of money. This is like five <laughs> ships, or you can really soup up your ship, you know, with this. Yeah, we can like move, we can move to a nicer place. Yeah. It starts the circle all over again. So I would hope that Trace would at least be the one to be like, let's at least sell this for medicine. You know, we can give to this to people who make medicine. And that would be a good way. And I would hope they would go that way. I think Trace would. I don't know about Profit, though. She'd just be yeah, like, he's like, look about all of our money, Trace. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it would, probably, it would probably be like 100 times more money if you sold it to to drug smugglers but then again they might not be very uh, well liked amongst those the the spice running circles right now so they might want to steer clear of that i mean coruscant's so big and mark grim 
did say that like he had shipments coming to Coruscant, I'm sure they can like pawn it off somewhere. I mean, if you were gonna run a franchise on him, that would be the opening of the story of like Rafa's like, well, we're rich. I got the spice, and then it would result in in her trying to sell the spice illegally and them gaining and losing all the money, you know, and and that being the beginning of their adventure or whatever. <laughs> Because it's dirty money, it. you know, when they have it's stolen goods and it's and it's and it's contraband. So in Star Wars morality, you can sell it, but you're going to end up, you know, paying a price for it. So, it, you know, but that would be a good way to kick off a, a story of with the two sisters, you know, kick off their adventures. I'm get, over here yeah, get them off Coruscant and somewhere else, you know, with a with a cast of other characters, you know. I'm over here giggling. Oh my God, please let them be in Bad Batch. I'm over here giggling because I just imagine like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern is dead moment where like some random Jedi, like no name Jedi just shows up and he's like, I hear you have all these spice and he has clones with them. And like in the background, like you see the clones get like a little message from Darth Sidious and he's like, I'm here to arrest you because I'm a Jedi. And then he gets gunned down and the clones are like, sorry, that's Turner 66. And Ralph is like, I'm cool with that. That's fine. <laughs> We're the luckiest <laughs> girls in the world. Apparently. In the universe. But like, you know, in a very like Lego comedy way, <laughs> I'm just like, cool. Thanks, guys. And they're like, no problem. Yeah, I, I don't know if Lego comedy here. gets is going to be doing too many Order 66 jokes. <laughs> Order 66 yeah. gags. <laughs> oh, my God. But I really want them in Bad Batch somehow, way, shape, or form. Um <laughs> Uh, that could that could happen because Bad Batch is going to be I would predict more like GI Joe or something like that, you know. I I hope it's more like with them being mercenaries. I actually think, like internally, it's a personal story. Well, yeah, them. but it's but still it's like, still going to be like, like a a GI Joe group. But like I I predict in Filoni style, the first four or five up first maybe season will be like GI Joe episodes, and then they'll build and then they do what they always do and build it into a bigger storyline. Yeah, we've we've talked bad batch plenty of times on here. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have any other notes? No, that's all I got. Okay, so, um, I liked Rafa being the one to like tell Ahsoka the thesis of Ahsoka's entire story up to this point. I think that's a really amazing character moment for her as well, and because Rafa clearly has grown so much, but it's also a really good kind of like capstone of Ahsoka. She is what the Jedi should strive to be. She is the best of them, even if she's not one. And that is, like, hearing that come from Rafa, like, that is, like, here it is, period, the end, boop. Ahsoka's thesis statement. Yeah, I mean, what they said about her was, like, you know, what somebody would say about, like, nowadays, maybe somebody would say about, like, you know, I thought all cops were bad, but you are what a cop's supposed to be, or, or politicians, or, you know, or uh, any sort of, group like that somebody you're supposed to have respect for and the and it's and it was just a very good way of encapsulating that she knows she's just like you know the the jedi have are don't have the you know dependability and the the optics that they that they always did their, their reputation is not standing up but she still knows about it you know yeah. And she's still like, like you know, Je it shows the Jedi have lost a lot of respect, but at, at a time, or maybe in your childhood or whatever, 
you know, or whatever. There's, there's a, there, there was a point where people were like the Jedi, like stand up for all do, you know, we're all like Ahsoka and people thought about them like that, you know, and that the, there's been yeah. a time period that they haven't. So it was just very well done in one line. And along those lines, I have a cop in my family. He's a very lovely person who I love very much. The system is still flawed. <laughs> the system right. is still flawed. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing is they, 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 they didn't, I mean, they didn't have a lot of time to, for them to hash through the whole, like, dealing with her being a Jedi and getting over the thing oh with my parents. God. But they were at least, they were sophisticated enough to be just like, you know, they, I mean, you could see them do the, the, well, they both simultaneously said, you can do that when she's like, I left the Jedi Order, you know? So they were just like, so she gained points when they found out she left the Jedi Order. They were like, all right, you know, Ahsoka is a rage against the machine Jedi, you know? So. Oh, oh my God, what a lovely segue into last, my last three-part gripe. Oh, excellent. What a wonderful thing. Um, I will agree with you. Um, it wasn't so glaringly I, di I didn't dislike it as much this time around watching it, um, but I think it's because I knew I had this problem going into it, so I was able to look at the other things that I did like much more. But here we go. Gripe number three of Ahsoka should have been revealed of the Jedi. And we've already set up of like how the episode would have been better, how it would have helped Trace and Rafa's characters. But then we get to the ending here, and this is the part where the episode completely loses me. Because... They've been doing such good Rebels and Resistance writing, and they fell back on, like, a Season 1 Clone Wars ending. This is not a Season 7 Clone Wars ending. This is a fucking Season 1 Clone Wars ending. They are only left six minutes for the Martez sisters to reckon with the fact that Ahsoka lied to them, hid her identity, used to work for the organization that they believe killed their parents, learn this fact, trust her about it, fight off some people, and then are totally cool with it. This is so sloppy. This is really sloppy writing on them, and it makes me angry. Because I know these writers, we have spent the last 242 episodes, the last five years of our lives, analyzing this writing. And I know that they're better than this. I know that they're better than this. And what Rebels and Resistance has taught me is that they can write such good personal stories that hold weight and hold meaning. But it felt so flat here. You know, they, like, if... It felt so flat that it, this feels like an early Clone Wars ending where they have these arcs and they have all these storylines, but then they wrap up this emotional story in the last 90 seconds. That's what this feels like. And it's bullshit. They're better than this. Well, and it feels like, well, let me finish, Chris. It feels like they are so excited to get to the Siege of Mandalore that, and don't get me wrong, again, I'm a hypocrite. I like the Mandos and I like them all in here. But the thing is, it throws away a really well-written Martez sister arc for the last three episodes, and it throws it away in the last six minutes because they don't have time to process this. And this is why I really wished at the end of last episode it revealed that Ahsoka was a Jedi, because then they would have the full 22 minutes to come to this point and to reckon with it. it would and their actions would have been time, better, yeah. and they would have had more time and more time. And it would have been a much more powerful story but this just feels like a season one Clone Wars ending, which just makes me so mad because they are just so excited to get to Siege of Mandalore, which is great and it's beautiful and it's the best Star Wars ever made. 
but they throw the, the, the Martez sisters into the garbage in the last 90 seconds. And it's, it, it ruins the episode for me. It, like this episode is so hard for me to reckon with because there's so much I like about it and I love this arc and I even like and like I said I'm a hypocrite I'm a hypocrite I like the Mandos and all so if you it, get that, to be a hypocrite in 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 my own podcast culture, in 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 what you you know I mean it's pure what you like it what your emotional reaction to it yeah. I mean I have a what my my way of reckoning it and. That I, it, you know, I mean, that partially might be why it went smoother for me the second time is in just in fashioning this season, they had to like crimp a lot because, it, it, like you were saying, it's not, it wasn't originally just going to be the last season of, you know, season seven wasn't meant to be the last season when Clone Wars got canceled. So, so they had to you know, take what they had left and where they were going and and make it work. And we definitely saw that tension in in this arc. And I think it's just mechanically because it's in between the first arc and the and the Siege of Mandalore. But you know, so there's there's those awkward things where they had to, you know, square the circle and stuff but the the thing about her relationship with the sisters that 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 i thought about it this time watching it and uh and this is it's kind of retconny you know but in in it it was not meant to be (laughs) it was it, it everything that's taking place in this time period is like this weird magic like ma- like evil magic time where things are in total flux and chaos. So Palpatine's it, evil magic time. Yes, uh, Palpatine's <laughs> evil magic time. The worst and, like uh, the and, worst balloon clown ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and uh everything floats in Palpatine's evil magic time. But um you know, there every everything is doom. Everything is doomed at this point. You know, nothing. Yeah. This isn't the time to. This isn't the point where you could start a relationship with somebody. You know, mm-hmm. it's a time where everything comes undone. So, like you had this, like this, this arc is like that. This weird is that time in Ahsoka's life where she's between where it could have just been. If things were, if things went on without Palpat, without Palpatine, you know, taking over, and it just sort of was rolling along like it was, she could have been like pals. They could have had a spinoff show and stuff like that. But it's it's not that time. It just gets it gets dropped, and you know, it's you know, and at this time, like. Anakin and Padme should be just starting their family and it's just everything go everything goes to shit and it's it just this this isn't a but this doesn't go to shit it just it just stalls you know it just doesn't it just doesn't happen you know the 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 change in 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 the force happens and Ahsoka's got to go off and fight Maul because all the wheels of destiny are turning, 
you know, mm-hmm. and she's on a big wheel and they're on a littler wheel and uh, the big wheel just takes her right right away from that. And, and it, it's sort of like a tease of what Ahsoka could have, you know, or, or you know, what, what could have been and where things were going. And then the wind picks up and just blows everything in all different directions. I don't disagree with you. Because that's actually one of my favorite parts of the season as a whole is just the, how episode three just is always looming on the horizon. Yeah. Like, Most I, of that I, is all stuff that happened in my head, though. That's not stuff that I got as much out of the like I, I didn't feel they were trying to um, portray that in this episode. But that's that's how I felt that it's like, well, of course, they couldn't you know, they couldn't be friends. This is Ahsoka's got to go and do. Yeah. The things that have to be done because it's that time. Yeah. And like, like I said, I don't disagree with you. I just, I feel like that one character choice of, of that, that one story choice, I should say, not a character choice, but that one story choice of when to reveal Ahsoka as a Jedi to the sisters is the difference between this landing on its feet and falling flat on its face to me. And if they had revealed it as the climax of last episode, they could have told a much more powerful, deeper, emotionally, mentally story with the Martez sisters. And as you said earlier, they don't really need to change the plot. Everything it would have just changed it. Happened. Yeah, it wouldn't. It, it, you wouldn't have to change around the dialogue much of anything. Except just for, so, just for technical things, just to make yeah. technical things line up. But emotionally and stuff, you could have had all the same interactions and stuff, but yeah. there would have been more underneath them. Oh, for, for, for sure. Yeah, and that's all I'm saying is, to me, this arc does not stick the landing because they went from three and a half, like three episodes of telling very advanced Rebels and Resistance storyline and went and landed with a season one Clone Wars ending which just is not the story they've been telling. And it, it just, it ruins the end of the sister arc for me because it just feels like such a huge missed opportunity. And it just feels like they're trying so much. And, and it would even make the Siege of Mandalore stuff work because then they would be like, they wouldn't have the last six minutes of the episode, I counted, the last six minutes of the episode where they're just suddenly reckoning with this. They would have the full 22 minutes to understand this about Ahsoka and it would be coming from a much better place of authenticity of the, we understand why you need to leave. And mm-hmm. it, ju- it just would have made a better story to me. It makes me angry. <laughs> and it's just, it hurts because I love Trace and Rafa and I love their story and I love what they represent. I love what they're what they represent in Ahsoka story. I love Ahsoka in this arc and it just doesn't stick the landing for me. And I think it's that just one choice of when to reveal Ahsoka to them is the problem of why this doesn't stick. But I love, yeah, anyway. I will say though, when Ahsoka was like, I'm going to leave my bike here just in case. There was a little part of me, and I, and I'm okay that this different didn't happen because the ending of Clone Wars is so beautiful and powerful. I did wonder for a bit though if that would have been the final shot of Clone Wars, of like Ahsoka coming back to their garage and just being like, "I need your help," and that that's where it ends. I because they kind of left or that just open a there. shot of her bike. <laughs> they could have left yeah. it with just a shot of her, you know, with. Yeah, I did have that feeling that Ahsoka would become, like, somehow the Martez sisters would be coming back at the end of the series. 
Um, it kind of makes me wonder if there ever is a Ahsoka Sabine spinoff stuff and stuff. I would love to see the the Martezes just come back. I want to see them. I love them so much. I want them back in the fandom so bad. Um, the fandom in the show so bad. Um, my only other note, and I've thought this ever since the show aired. I don't get the title together again. What yeah. are we referring to? Is this referring to Ahsoka and the Mandos? Is this referring like I don't understand how the yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. <laughs> I mean, for one, she was never really together with those Mandos. I know. And she was never really apart from Trace and Rafa. They I had know. you know, so yeah, it doesn't the only thing I can think that it means is she's going back to her. She's together with the Force and her Jedi, ex-Jedi life? Yeah, I mean, maybe because they said something like, are oh, you afraid maybe that you'll be sucked back into the Jedi? But then again, that she's still, that's just a possibility. She's not together. Yeah, it, it doesn't, yeah. it just doesn't, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I never understood the title of this episode, so. But that's all I have. Did you have anything else? No. All right. Well, score it up for me, Chris. I gave it a nine. I liked it. I I, I thought it was the, this and the last one were the two strongers of this stronger episodes of this arc, and the writing was more on point. And I enjoyed it the second time more than I did the first time. It worked better than me, although it's still a little a little goofy around the edges. But I I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was. You know, as far as the action goes, the action isn't anything that we haven't seen before, but it was nicely done. But just as a story and as finishing it off, I thought it did a pretty good job. So nine, nine out of ten. We've never seen squeaky tunes before. Right. <laughs> I love them. Um, you know, I, I agree. This episode's a lot stronger than the first time I watched it. And it could be just because I knew my personal gripes going into it. So I was able to look at the other stuff. But, I mean, to me, this is still not a satisfying ending to this arc because Siege of Mandalore comes in and steals so much of the spotlight away from the Martez sisters. And it's still a big, such a big letdown to me. Um, that said, I really do like the stuff with Rafa and Trace and their journey up to this point. I think they're amazing characters. I love what they represent. I like Ahsoka's story to, like, set her up to go forward. And to be a hypocrite, it's really cool seeing Maul in this. I love the Maul stuff and, and the Crimson Dawn stuff. Give it to me. No, the I love Maul, it. Maul stuff was really, uh, really presented and written well. And yeah. his voice was, I mean, the voice acting on Maul was spot I mean, on. I mean, it's awesome. Sam Witwer, of course. Yeah. This is like, what, his like fifth go around as Maul or something. Yeah. So, But honestly, the thing that steals this entire episode for me and it's so good, is Josh Brenner's not Niku tune worker going, ha, kill her. Yes, kill her. Get him, <laughs> get him. Get him, get him, get him. I love Josh Brenner in this episode. It's so good. <laughs> so I gave it an 8 out of 10 because I'm very aware of my gripes, but I still really love it. I can't, like, if, if this had stuck that landing of, had the whole emotional story this could have easily been like a 9.5 for me 
but it doesn't. It just, ugh. Anyway. As always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page for our Season 4 wrap-up of Star Wars Rebels. I do want to address uh, Diego's comment when you're done with it. Okay. All right. So, as Hope said, our first one is from Diego Lemos. He says, I really love this show, although I think one more season between the first and the second one wouldn't have hurt. Sure. Yeah, Especially because Rebels. in the Rebels magazines, comics, characters like Ketsu and the Inquisitors, Grande, Seventh Sister, and the Fifth Brother have more stories, and I think Hope Mullinex and Chris would like them. I probably would. The Rebels magazine comics may be, may be aimed at kids, but they have a pretty hardcore storylines. I might have to like look those up and see if I can find those. One of the stories is about Zeb and an Imperial engineer, where the Imperial engineer, where the Imperial makes Zeb question their actions by calling the rebels a terrorist group. They give the Empire reason to be a tyranny, and by doing this, the rebellion is causing more harm than good to the galaxy. And that is one of the least depressing ones. Yeah, that's a common, that's a common um, um, thing that happens to rebellions. And I I have read some of these. Um, the re- some of the Rebels magazine comics are actually kind of hard to find. Like I have are to they? find like yeah, well yes and no. Um, some of them have been scanned, but not all of them. Um, I have. I want to read... find the actual magazines. Is what I want. Yeah, I don't. I think they they put. There probably the Rebels... aren't many of them. Magazines don't get huge print runs anymore. You know. In, in the Re- the Rebels magazine comics. Um, I think overseas and in other languages, the comics were put together in trade paperbacks, but not here, which sucks. <laughs> but I have read some of them, and I read the one where Callus is a, like a friend of Callus who was in the Empire with them, and they trained together. They came up through the ranks together, and he was a really good friend of Callus. He found out that this friend was a rebel sympathizer, and he had to like face his friend and and arrest him and it was it was a really good read and i i read another one with i think sabine i think it was and slay like rescuing slaves that was like really heart-wrenching and there's one where the grand inquisitor is hunting ezra and and kanan and some like archaeologist guy finds a lightsaber and he's just like trying to preserve this knowledge and grande is just like now i'm going to destroy all this and like kills him like like the ones i have read are are really good and i just i guess this is me just saying please put them all together in a trade for me to have here (laughs) yeah because i would i would love to read all of them they sound so good but yeah diego the ones i have read are really really good so all right and the next one we got comes from paul c kelly and i just want to say before i oh yeah yeah. Before we get into this, I was watching a YouTube video the other day that it was like top 10 places on Earth that have weird act, you know, weird natural activity on them. And the all the uh, the guy narrating it had to do is go, oh, yeah, but he, <laughs> his whole reading style was exactly how the Paul, Ke- Paul C. Kelly voice goes on here. It was really, really weird. Okay, so Paul C. Kelly says, I recall Hope saying she wished she had a breather episode in season four. Just remember what happened when they did that in season five of Clone Wars. Sunny day in the void. 
Oh, no. <laughs> we, we did get Gregor in the next episode out of that, though. R.I.P. Gregor. I was convinced Hondo's Ugnaught was dead as well. And just like that, it's over. But we still have Season 7 Clone Wars and Resistance. And, and the Mandalorian and Legos. And that batch when it starts. Yeah. And I get to rewatch them all through J-Guys. Oh, yeah. Now I am wondering if I should watch them all with a clone helmet on. LOL. So, I mean, it's been so long since we this episode came out. Bad Batch might not have been announced by the time. <laughs> We're and, talking like these are comments from like a couple months ago. So. And then Hope Mullinex said in a voice just like you heard just there. I said breather episode, not bad episodes like Sunny Day in the Void. Lol. 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 And then Paul C. Kelly says, good point. Oh, yeah. Some quote unquote good ones. Good, oh, some quote unquote good one and dones that are not part of the main plot would be nice. Oh, yeah. Just when I heard that, it made me think of that season where it was inserted right in the middle of a bunch of awesome episodes. I guess I should have said it. They make one and dones or breathers. Just make sure they are not about small frog guys and a bunch of droids. Lol. <laughs> I'm also kidding a bit, too, because breather episodes run higher risk of being bad because they're not plot focused. Yeah, I do love breather episodes, but sometimes it's just like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you mean all of season two versus, oh my god, candy. What do you want to eat today? I want to do the banana stong. Banana stong. It's yellow. <laughs> Stung. Like, it's That's yellow and it's got like Rasta colors on it. It's like Jamaican it's... colored letters. I don't think it is from Jamaica, though. Let's see. Uh, if you don't know from Iceland. It is the Stung. Stung. Actually, I don't. I know German umlauts. I don't know if an Icelandic umlaut is the same as a German umlaut. Anyway, speaking of umlauts, um, Chris hates American Kit Kats. He's a big old weirdo because of it. Our friend Dario sends us candy from all over the world to review, and this week we're doing the banana Stung from Iceland. Oh my God! It's a weirdo. Oh whoa! What what is this? <laughs> mine's like so melty I don't even know if I can yeah, get it mine's out mine's melty too it's very soft it's like chocolate with the most yellow bright yellow I'm assuming banana nougaty uh, stuff coming out of I'm lifting up my sleeves because I know as soon as I'm done I'm going to have to immediately go wash my hands <laughs> but I will don't want to touch my I'm still trying to get it out of the package <laughs> it's like pure nougat I'm still trying to get it out of the package <laughs> I'm eating it out. I'm just sort of like unpeeled the package around oh, it like wow. a banana. Is it's the banana? Like a, is the banana like a cake? It's like chewy nougat, and I'm guessing it had the banana on the outside, but it melted out. Melted off. I'll bet you. You open up the wrapper of this and just like unpeel it and eat it like a banana. It tastes very banana y. It's super banana y. Absolutely. That's like really I, barely that. can, I barely can taste the chocolate. Nougat. I was actually really worried about this because I was afraid it was going to be more like a taffy. And taffies are fine, but like they're really difficult for my teeth to eat. 
Mm-hmm. So I was hoping this wouldn't be like a taffy. So this is a really pleasant surprise. That's a weird one. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of our more stranger ones. Oh, everything's sticking to me. The wrapper, the wrapper is sticking to me. Get mm-hmm. off me. Um, thank you, Dario. We love you. I need my own refrigerator for my candy here. Mm. I need a little dorm have... refrigerator in my room. Mine just lives in my desk. <laughs> <laughs> well, <gasps> Chris, we should announce. How are we going to do Siege of Mandalore next week? Because We're doing it different, guys. You know, we were talking about this, and we don't remember if we said this on the show, but... So this may or may not be the announcement! Mm. (laughs) Siege of Mandalore is a little different than anything of the animated shows. It's so cinematic that we decided we'd do it like a movie, and we're going to have a series of four commentaries. It's going to be like a, it will be melding a regular J guys and Jedi show. But instead, instead of Hope's synopsises, we're going to play the show and talk through it. And then at the end, we'll discuss major talking points. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then we'll have, we will have, I mean, it, there's no way that we can get what we want to say about these episodes in that 22 minutes of the episode, you know? Yeah. Remember when we did Rogue One and then we talked for like an hour after it? It's going to be like yeah, that. Yeah, it's going to be like that. It should, I mean, I think the show will probably be about as long as a, a normal J-Guy and Jedi show, if not a little bit longer. But, but it won't the, uh, be. The commentary is for our shallow notes, and then we'll talk major talking points. But it's going yes, to be a yeah. commentary. Four commentaries starting next week. I am sticking to everything on this wrapper. <laughs> I cannot get it off my fingers, Chris. There we go. Get off my desk. Mm. So I'm really excited about Siege of Mandalore next week. I'm honestly licking my desk trying to get this chocolate off. Mm. 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 All right. I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm sticking to everything. <laughs> yeah. Siege of Mandalore next week, guys. Sorry. We're distracted by candy. <laughs> All right, Chris. Where can people find you? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's our website. You can sign up for our RSS feeds there or at iTunes. We are also found on Facebook with the Two True Freaks podcast page and the Two True Freaks Cantina. And of course, we also have Twitter. Our Two True Freaks Twitter feed is run by the lovely and talented Gene Gene, the podcast machine. Just an old school one for Gene there. And uh, that's that's basically where you can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me at Jedi. I run our Twitter accounts. You can also find me at Hope Molinax on Twitter. Of course, I have my website, geekygirlexperience.com. And actually, by the time this episode comes out, I will be either doing, doing Mandalorian Season 2 reviews or just finish them. I don't know how math works. It'll be right around that time. So you can check out the website and read my reviews on Mandalorian Season 2. And of course, Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where we are currently going through Grouty Falls. We should be well into Season 2 by now. <gasps> Maybe the blank and blank would have 
blank, blank, blank by now. <laughs> and Chris doesn't know what any of that means, but I'm so excited for him. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, you can check out our other podcasts, um, wherever you can find your podcasts. And it's called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. All right, you guys. Siege of Mandalore starts next week. <laughs> I would be I'm more... really looking forward to watching it again. Plus, I'm going to have to watch it before we do the show. I know. To do that. Well, I have to watch it before we do the show anyway, too. So, But then I'm going to watch it again during the show, so I get to watch it twice. Oh, God, I'm tired. Of... You're going to get to hear me cry, probably, guys. I will always cry, cry several for times. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> several times? Girl, why you acting so cray? Cray, cray, cray. We're not threatening. That's a Gravity Falls joke. What's the boy band, remember? I remember. <laughs> the long silence. Alright, I, I wish I could be more excited about Siege of Mandalore, but I'm seriously sticking to this rapper, so I'm gonna go wash my hands. Alright. <laughs> Bye, guys. See you next week. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True Freaks. Freaks.